0: Thank you. Fire. Tales of the strange and unsettling.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let’s begin. Episode 5: Estefania Gutierrez Lazaro. We've all seen horror movies that open with the caption, This movie was based on a true story. This approach is generally used as a ploy to set the audience on edge from the very beginning. It's one thing to watch a movie and assure yourself, it isn't real. But when it is, what then? In most cases, writers of these films take a strange but fairly mundane situation, exaggerate it, and add a supernatural element. There are always exceptions that are based on more seemingly supernatural events, but typically what happens, in actuality, is far less terrifying than the film itself. Typically. In the case of what came to be known as the Vallez case, the real-life story of Estefania Gutierrez Lazaro, a young lady living in Madrid, Spain, quite the opposite was the case. This story was the basis for the Netflix original horror film, Veronica. This film, like so many others, begins with that disclaimer, based on a true story. Unlike many others, the horror of the film paled in comparison to the terrifying situation that befell the young Miss Gutierrez-Lazaro. The bulk of the film was based on a police report from the event that remains one of the very few official police reports that have ever documented the paranormal. In August of 1991, Estefania Gutierrez-Lazaro died after spending just over a month in a coma. Despite a long string of hospital visits, the autopsy revealed no discernible cause of death, though the coroner officially ruled her death to be, quote, sudden and suspicious. The real terror of this tale has less to do with the death, and more to do with the ghastly events that led to it and followed soon after. March of 1990 saw a day in the life of Estefania that began just as any other. After lunch, she and a few of her close friends seized the opportunity to sneak away to the school's basement to experiment with a newly acquired Ouija board. According to others involved, Estefania's sister Marianella was part of this group, although she took her mother's aversion to all things occult seriously and decided not to participate. Instead, she agreed to guard the door for the group while they attempted to make contact through the veil. The group settled into a circle on the concrete floor. The friend that had smuggled the board into the school then realized that she had misplaced the planchette. Estefania quickly improvised by reaching for a dusty glass tumbler on a nearby shelf and placing it in the center of the board. They had made a few requests without response when a teacher burst into the room. Outraged by the group's actions, he snatched the board off of the floor, and the makeshift planchette shattered against the concrete. According to everyone in that room, including Marianella and the teacher, the moment the glass shattered, something that looked like smoke rose from it and was unintentionally inhaled by Estefania. Everyone in Estefania's life agrees that this event marked an immediate and dramatic change in her. These changes were drastic to begin with, and they quickly intensified. Starting that very night, she was plagued by insomnia. The rare moments when she could sleep, she was haunted by terrifying nightmares of shadow figures calling out to her. She quickly lost the ability to differentiate between reality and her dreams. According to her family, she frequently claimed to see these shadow figures following her or standing in the corner of rooms, often whispering for her to come with them. These claims would often follow what appeared to her mother, Concepcion Gutierrez, to be something like a trance state that would last anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. She described visions of being trapped in an endless fog-filled tunnel as the voices urged her to push forward. Estefania was taken to the hospital on several occasions by Concepcion and her father, Maximo, but on every occasion they were met with confusion and befuddlement on the part of the doctors. She was examined by specialist after specialist at four different medical centers, and after running dozens of tests, they found no physiological evidence of illness or disorder. In addition to her worsening symptoms, bizarre incidents began to occur in the Gutierrez home. The family's belongings began moving about. Appliances and electronics would turn themselves off and on. These seemingly dark forces became increasingly violent toward the entire family. The younger siblings would wake up to their arms being thrown against the walls and on one occasion the family dog was thrown across the living room one of estefania's younger sisters was shoved down the stairs on more than one occasion marianella claimed to wake up one morning and find estefania floating just slightly above her bed eventually estefania began attacking her siblings herself she became progressively more irritable and threatening She would growl and bark at her younger brother, and on one occasion, allegedly beat one of her sisters so badly that she was found by her parents on the floor bleeding and foaming at the mouth. Estefania was not the only member of the family seeing and experiencing these bizarre incidents. It was obvious to all those involved that she was the primary target, but her parents and siblings also experienced slamming and locking doors objects shifting around the room and even occasionally saw the shadow creatures skulking about the house. On one occasion, Estefania was in the bathroom ironing when she noticed a shadow figure in the shower behind her, and the iron turned itself on. When Estefania screamed, her mother rushed to the bathroom to check on her. As soon as she entered the room, the door slammed shut and locked behind her. After pounding on that door for minutes, Maximo was about to kick the door down in order to free them when it quietly opened on its own. These mystifying experiences were not limited even to the family. The vast majority of guests had a full range of experiences themselves. The beginning of the end for Estefania was when she began having seizures. They began within two weeks of initial incident and got progressively worse, though the final two nights of Estefania's life were by far the worst. On that final night, she suffered such a devastating seizure that she slipped into a coma that she never recovered from. Just a few hours later, she passed away. But all of this horrifying and mystifying activity did not end with the death of Estefania. We can assume that this all began with her and the Ouija board incident, but it quickly became evident that whatever malevolent force was unleashed was now there to stay. In fact, after Estefania's death, the situation got significantly worse. Her father reported hearing her screaming from all over the apartment, and incessant pounding on the walls at random times of the day. The family's belongings still moved about the house at random. Appliances and electronics still turned themselves off and on. In addition, the family often heard shattering glass, the deep bellowing laughter of an older man, and the doors still slammed and locked on their own the parents and children all continued to be woken up and injured by the presence in the house. On one particularly unsettling occasion, two years after Estefania's death, a photo of her which took up residence in the living room was knocked over and spontaneously caught on fire. Eerily, only the section of the photo which showed her face was damaged. The rest of the photo, as well as the frame, was untouched. After nearly a year of this, Concepcion and Maximo had finally come to their wits end. They finally decided to seek help in earnest. They sought out the expertise of paranormal investigators and experts in the field. A veritable parade of paranormal investigation teams and preternatural adepts made their way through their home. Not a single person was able to help. In fact, one could argue that their presence made things worse. The situation continued to escalate at a steady pace until it finally hit its boiling point. Having reached the absolute end of her rope, Concepcion called the police. The call was placed at about 2 a.m. Dispatch answered the call and immediately heard her screaming, Please, come quick, he's in here. It isn't clear who she was referring to, but the police report notes her frantic and panicked tone. The operator spent some time calming her down and finally convinced her to slow herself down enough to describe the situation in detail. Her story was met with understandable skepticism. They transferred her to the police, and they reacted similarly. They asked her to put her husband on the phone so that they could make sure she wasn't drunk or playing a joke. Maximo gave an identical story in an equally panicked tone, and they asked to speak with one of the children. Once the story was sufficiently corroborated, the police finally headed out to the Gutierrez' home. What they would find would change some of them for the rest of their lives. The team that responded consisted of five officers and a detective. Outside the home, they were greeted by Concepcion, Maximo, and two of their children. In the report, they noted that the family requested to remain outside in the cold rain rather than return to their home. Once they convinced the family to come inside and speak with them, Maximo described the history of paranormal events with two new additions. Crucifixes around the house were inverting themselves, and deep scratch marks were beginning to appear on the living room and kitchen walls. The police were certainly skeptical, but they agreed to assess the property. Concepcion pointed out that activities were always heightened when the lights were out. So Detective Jose Pedro Negri instructed an officer to turn out the lights. As soon as the lights were off, they were shocked to be met immediately with a loud banging moving throughout the walls of the house. They immediately turned the lights back on to find that the family was still standing there beside them. On their way to investigate a sound coming from the master bedroom, they heard a massive bang and loud scream from the balcony. They rushed out to the balcony to find nothing that could have been the source. The police report described this sound as something similar to a large boulder being thrown against the outside of the home. Soon after, two of the officers were standing alone in the kitchen discussing the phenomena, when one screamed out for the other to duck just as a heavy cabinet door swung open where his head had been. Four of the officers then decided that this was all too much and opted to wait outside for the detective to complete the investigation. Detective Negri and the last of the five officers continued walking the property, attempting to locate the source of this activity, to no avail. Instead, they heard more pounding and general commotion coming from Estefani's bedroom. When they entered, the door slammed shut behind them. They found a formerly bolted crucifix lying on the center of the floor, with the corpus detached and buried several inches in the opposite wall. The back of the bedroom door had four scratches at least 15 inches long, and so deep that it left a dusting of splinters on the floor below. All at once, Detective Negri and the officer found themselves surrounded by the sound of pounding on all four walls of the bedroom, pounding so heavy that they described drywall dust falling from the ceiling. Suddenly, the door seemed to open on its own, and the pounding abruptly stopped. They rushed from the room, half expecting the family members to be outside the bedroom, Instead, they found the entire family was outside speaking with the other four officers, who confirmed that they had been there for several minutes. Concepcion explained to the detective that the bathroom seemed to have been the epicenter of the activity. According to the police report, upon entering the bathroom, Detective Negree and the officer experienced a significant drop in temperature, and what seemed to be whispers echoing inside the bathroom walls. Having heard and experienced enough, Negri called the police operator back and told them what had happened. He then filed an official report, which stated that he had no explanation for what was happening within the Gutierrez home, but that something was most definitely happening, marking the first and only time in Spain's history, and one of the very few in the world, that a member of the police force has written openly about paranormal occurrences in an official report. Shockingly, even after these incredible events, the Gutierrez family remained in the home for close to another year. They stated officially that the activity did lessen noticeably following the police investigation, but that they never ceased entirely. Nearly a year after the police visit, and over two years since the death of their daughter, the family finally moved out of the house, and according to them, whatever dark force had taken over their home and lives did not follow. Similarly, The family that now occupies their former home report nothing out of the ordinary. Thankfully, the family's ghastly ordeal appears to be over. Unfortunately, this torment involved the loss of their beloved daughter, Estefania. Let this story serve as a lesson to us all. Ouija boards and spirit communication should be taken seriously. Do not dabble. And if you do, remember to say goodbye. Welcome, campers, to
0: Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan.
1: And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief.
0: Uh, So you said, basically, that they had went to school and they had brought their Ouija board, right? Um, Right. And so, obviously, not having a plan yet, they ended up using, you said, a glass tumbler? Yeah,
1: it was just like a like a short glass glass
0: so my i guess my question i don't, I don't know if you actually have, have found this out i know a lot of which you know we can kind of get into a little bit but um a lot of ouija board usage were they like very close i mean were they sitting in the ground do you know exactly where they were when they were doing other than in the basement
1: yeah they um, were sitting on the floor on a okay. concrete floor
0: good and so i mean you can literally use anything as a planchette like there's nothing that's required to be a planchet, right um so basically once the you said the teacher or somebody came in and interrupted them scared them broke the glass glass jar glass tumbler and a smoke uh basically came out of the jar um and was that something that everybody documented seeing it or was it something that estefania documented or it said...
1: No, the sister saw it and the teacher saw it. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so when this happened, basically she breathed it in and she... I'm assuming it was just like a... like a one inhale all sort of thing where basically like... Yeah. Just went... I mean, you could obviously see it like... Uh, You're know, thinking of any horror movies that anything goes inside of someone, right? Uh, seeing right. like this mist or this smoke basically being absorbed into... Uh, into her lungs, or just through her whatever she breathed in through at the time, doesn't matter. Um, but basically, breathing <laughs> in every bit of it, right? So.
1: Yeah, the way I pictured it was the glass hit the floor and shattered, and in response to that, she kind of gasped, like, <sighs> ah, okay. And then inhaled it. That
0: gives a good visual, at least, idea. Right. Yeah, because I was kind of curious and kind of getting on the subjects of Ouija boards which is something yeah. I absolutely love. Yeah. Same. Um, I is actually in light of this story. I was going to bring my, bring up my Ouija board tonight into the office and, and get it out just to like have it out just as a, you know, just to get like really into it. Right. Because you told me yeah. it's going to relate you know, it's going to kind of bring up Ouija boards and, you know, uh, possession, yeah. things like that, which, um, I've only gotten out a couple times in my new house. Uh, yeah, So, you know, but I've had a lot of experiences with Ouija boards, Um, you know, and and one of the things is when you use a Ouija board, you want to make sure that you're using it on um, you're using it on a very, uh, I want to say environmental plane, but you're using it on like you're sitting on the ground or, you know, something that's close to the earth, right? Right. And that's why I was curious about them being in the basement. If they were like on a table, if they were on the ground, because it really makes a big difference. Um, being okay. so close to the earth, you know, you you can you take in a lot more. There's a lot more, you know, a lot more ability for things to actually come through because you're basically opening up, basically like a passageway, right? Right. That makes um, sense. Now, do you know? So. Uh, You had said this was during school hours or after, I believe, during school hours, right?
1: Yeah, it was during their lunch hour.
0: Okay, cool. So I know, like, the times that I've always tried to do has been around the dead hour, basically. And that's where I've gotten the most. I've tried it multiple times. I've tried it in multiple settings. There's been settings that I've never gotten anything out of and settings that I've gotten way more than I had planned out of. Yeah, and we just Ouija boards are extremely fascinating to me, and I love that this is where this story is kind of resonating from. um, That all this stuff is kind of coming, you know, just basically being the cause of it all. Uh,
1: Yeah, see, it's actually pretty interesting because the one of the friends that was involved, her boyfriend had died a couple weeks earlier. Oh shit! In a motorcycle, yeah, in a motorcycle accident. Okay he had died and the the whole purpose of them using the ouija board was to, to try to reach out to him, him. okay yeah
0: yeah and so yeah because that was that was uh, i guess one thing that was left out in the story so they were basically just trying to reach reach out to him or you know or whatever else um which is actually cool to know because i didn't know that now i you know, that actually makes a lot of sense as to why they were actually doing it in the first place. That was gonna be one of my next questions. Like what yeah. sparked them to bring this Ouija board to school? Um, to sneak down into the basement to, you know, have a session to where you know, they're actually
1: using it, like what was the cause? So that makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, see, these are all these are all girls from religious families, from like strict Catholic families. This was a Catholic school. That was going to be
0: literally my next question.
1: Awesome! Yeah, yeah. It's a Catholic school. Okay, that makes
0: so much more sense too.
1: Yeah, and every one of those girls knew that if they had shown up at home at their homes with the Ouija board, that they would have been in serious shit. Oh, obviously, yeah. Right. So that's why they, that's why they used their lunch hour at school to, you know, they had an opportunity they thought to get away with it.
0: So, and this was in March of 1990, and you said that all of the like extreme events didn't start happening till '91. Am I am I right in well, that? I believe because uh, yeah, it no. August '91. You said was the biggest, um, I guess, like the biggest thing.
1: Well, <clears throat> she died in August of '91. Oh,
0: she died. Okay, so there. That's where my timeline was a little little off. Okay. So yep. basically, this all took place between that March 1990, and then her different, strange, you know, strange uh, ailments and things that she was experiencing throughout that process, up to yep. the up to the you know the different things that they're experiencing in the house. Um, kind of give me a little bit more of a timeline, like so. This is March. Uh, it was I mean, was it immediately after? That she started to experience because I know you said roughly about two weeks after the initial incident, she started experiencing seizures. So did she? Well, start to experience other things in in, like in that time frame too.
1: Yeah, is starting that same night after the Ouija board experience, she started. She wasn't able to sleep. She started having like severe insomnia. Right, that's how it started. Okay, and then it was things just got progressively worse and worse over the following over a year until she died
0: and you said that she had started to she had claimed to start seeing shadow figures um, asking or whispering to her to come to them um, right. basically they said that she was kind of like in a trance state for roughly 30 minutes or so and was that just kind yeah. of periodically every day or periodically throughout the day that she would go was- in and out of these different trance states
1: yeah, which I think makes sense with the insomnia, you know, because yeah. if you stay up long enough, you you start to get like you go into these like trance. Start states to have micro where you're dreams. Not asleep, you're not awake. Is what they're yeah.
0: technically referred to, right? Micro dreams, right? Um, yeah. Where it's basically a trance state that you're dreaming while well, completely coherent and awake. Yeah, um, you know, and so that's that's kind of what I I imagined as you were as you're kind of going through it. Um, her these trans states being like but also being they're obviously you know stemming from something right you know and in the fact that maybe it all comes down to just this being a thing where she maybe got so freaked out that she couldn't sleep and then these trans micro dream trans state micro dreams were just like a um, kind of like a think of it almost like a passageway but also maybe it was more mental you yeah. know and that's that's another thing I was kind of thinking and gathering as well but to me that does not explain screaming sl- you no know, smashing slamming on the walls um, all the crazy shit that they experienced um, you mentioned the dog being thrown children yeah. being attacked like yeah that doesn't that doesn't explain that you know so
1: I mean if all of this was just things that had happened to her right you could explain it away with she had severe insomnia and this is the side effects of sleep deprivation it can cause a lot of
0: psych like just emotional like uh, physiological like real bad problems exactly stress I mean just overall emotional issues i mean you know just right yeah there's a lot of things that could be chalked up to that you know insomnia yeah. is a big cause for a lot of those things
1: yeah. but like hallucination oh 100% definitely exactly. come on from insomnia yeah you know, and
0: that's where you could also even chalk up like her seeing these shadow figures or hearing these voices literally all in her yeah. head because she's so fucking tired like but yeah. again the same fact there's they're experiencing things opening closing you know random doors and cabinets you know i I think of um even back to uh what last week's episode where we talked about the black forest haunting you know all these these things that were open happening all the time the family was seeing them physically seeing them happening you know, with doors yep. opening, cabinets shutting, closing, like uh, appliances randomly turning on and off, like different things like that. So that is not an explanation for that. Yeah. You can't. You can't opinion, chalk that up to some mental issue.
1: No, in my opinion, the fact that the entire family experienced these things completely rules out the idea that it exactly that this was just caused by her insomnia.
0: And that's where that's where we deep dive here. Because, like I said, that was that was kind of my first initial, my first initial take was, it was due to the insomnia. It was due to her not sleeping. It was due to the stress. Maybe just being like, because I I remember my first time using a Ouija board and feeling like something actually happened. We didn't get a whole lot out of it, but it was an experience. It was an experience right. that stuck with me until I used it the next time. And this was maybe two years later after the fact, right? You know, just yeah. because I, I felt, like, so mentally just drained and, and, and trying to make sense of it all. And so, right. you know, that was my first initial take was maybe maybe this is the cause. but Right, it changes the way you look at the world. Exactly. But once you elaborate, once you get really heavily into it, and considering all these extra factors and all these... And I just think about the dog being thrown. Like, you know, I mean, that is you know, and also obviously children being attacked, which can kind of be summed up to a couple other things, but inanimate objects or physical objects, the dog being one cannot move. It, it, I mean, cannot be just picked up and thrown cabinets yeah. cannot open and close and things by themselves. I mean, you know, there's somebody out there that's going to try to make a scientific explanation for anything. That That is always sure. how it is. I mean, you know, depending like where they where they were specifically obviously this is in spain you said uh, madrid spain right right okay
1: yep just outside madrid
0: so and i don't know exactly how weather is there if they have earthquakes they could have minor shocks that could open up and close cabinets you know like there's little things that can explain you know that you could yeah. kind of try and chalk things up to, but I wholeheartedly believe that's not the case. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it just kind of comes down to those things where you just look at the bigger picture, right? So,
1: I mean the the things that really, really convinced me were the things in the police report. Like
0: that's where that's where it got a little crazy, um, and so kind of touching on that. Uh, you said that there was a call that was made to the police, um, and please refresh me. Who had made that call? The mother. The mother. That's what I thought. But you said and yeah. said something like, "Come quick, he's here, or he's in here."
1: Yeah, he is in here.
0: So, who were they referring to as he? He
1: was That's never still cleared up. Never, never clarified.
0: Yeah. So nope. we want to think possession. Right. That's immediately what I think
1: obviously right, but this is after she's already dead
0: well shit you're right um, yeah but again just because someone dies as they're possessed doesn't mean that that demon is fully you know right, exhumed gone. of his right of his whole like right duties or whatever you want to call that I don't even know um, <laughs> right. I'll just call it duties uh, just for the sake of the conversation um, but yeah so I mean in a lot of cases that lingers that's still there's a presence that's still there it's going to look for the next uh, most in most cases the next weak victim the most right. uh, susceptible to being you know, able to be targeted right And that next
1: easiest vessel.
0: Exactly. And in most cases that's gonna be the next weakest person, or the next youngest, or um you know, in a lot of cases it's gonna be that person that's either in bad health or in bad shape overall, or that's had some traumatizing events, things like that, right? So, I mean, there was obviously something that was keeping it there.
1: Right. So See now because of the inhalation of the smoke. In, at the initial incident, right? I I immediately thought possession, right? But if you remove that from the equation, this sounds like straight up poltergeist situation. Other okay. than the, other than the yeah, fact that I can she that. gets violent herself,
0: mm-hmm. right? Like you said, she started only- attacking the brothers and sisters, yes. right? Yes. So, yeah, and. That, that does, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but, at the same time, and that's where, where that comes in, I, I still feel it was more possession. Yeah, yeah, but again, taking away the smoke inhalation, just the circumstances, the whole situation revolved around it. You know, it, there's a lot more to play. There's a lot more that could have gone into it, and it could be something entirely different than what we're seeing
1: it as. But I mean, who's to say it wasn't possession and a haunting, right? It very well could be. Right. It very or well could have been. That, or something on the borderline between both. Yeah.
0: Right? I just think, you know, when it comes, like, the end of the day, it sounds like just your homegrown possession case, like, <laughs> like down to a T. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, um, now, I know that you had mentioned when the, when the police, they were there, there was, what, five... Five officers and a detective that showed up. Um, out right. of those five officers, four of them went outside So that left. One officer and a detective in the house. Yeah. They ended up going into Estefania's room. Um, and what? They were locked in there and they saw the scratches on the door. Heard all the banging coming from all all corners of the room, basically. Um you know so i and however long that lasted did anything else specifically happen during that time like i know that they had mentioned like when the lights go off that's when all the shit comes
1: out basically right right no you're missing the the coolest thing that happened in that room which is the crucifix on the wall that had formerly been bolted to the wall the way right
0: yeah you had mentioned that that was actually another thing i was going to ask about yeah go ahead
1: the corpus the jesus on the crucifix was had been ripped off and it was buried in the drywall on the other side of the room like several inches into the wall and the formerly bolted crucifix the cross part was off the wall lying on the floor
0: see that's cool as shit (laughs) right
1: so awesome <laughs> That's so crazy. It is
0: so crazy. Okay, like because I mean, and, and I know listening to the story and trying to, and that was like I said, that was one thing I actually wanted to ask about because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Um, kind of listening through exactly, you know what uh, what that was about. But no, I mean, so you said basically with it being ripped off buried into the drywall was it actually literally inside of the wall they had to rip off drywall to find it or what how did they discover it
1: it was like it was like stuck feet first into the drywall okay buried like a few inches sticking out of the wall
0: and this happened after Estefani was already dead Correct. so they went in there before the that crucifix everything was 100 in place bolted in yep you know so okay yeah no, that's super cool
1: yeah it's pretty amazing um
0: but yeah so basically when, once the officers were there they saw the shit they saw cu- you know the cupboards opening shutting all those just random random things again we can chalk that right. off to whatever you know, classic poltergeist. Exactly, just very classic haunting, you know, whatever else, but when they really got into the room um, you know that, that sounds like that's what really did them in and with it being the one one officer one detective, I mean they were the only two, but obviously they were yeah. there to back up each other's story I mean, you know, yeah. reading through that police report I think would be so awesome um,
1: I, I actually have it, and we will post it.
0: Oh, that is awesome! I was about to ask if you were full. able to stumble on it. That's cool.
1: Yes, awesome. I have the full police report.
0: Um, and you so so you had mentioned also that they had said a lot of the uh, a lot of the activity seemed to come from the bathroom. So they noticed like a drop in temperature, uh, whispers kind of coming from the bathroom walls. Uh, can right. you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, that was the thing the family had encountered over and over again. It got to the point where... Well, that um, was... It actually... Before or after Estefania had passed? After, right? Or even the, before? I mean, yeah, that incident was after. It okay. was during the police investigation. But the entire time, the bathroom... The family considered the bathroom to be the epicenter of it because things were constantly crazy in the bathroom. Like, it would come and go in other places of the house. Right, right. But the bathroom, they were always hearing the whispering. They were always seeing the shadow figures in the mirror. Like It got to the point, the the sister who was there originally, who was their lookout while they were using the, um, the Ouija board. The Ouija board, board right. Um, she actually said in an interview that it, months before the police even showed up, it had gotten to the point where they were members of the family were going to the neighbor's house to use the restroom just to avoid having to go in their own restroom
0: i was gonna say i mean that would be like i think you would get to the point where that would be so off-putting that you wouldn't even want to go in there anymore right uh at least if it were me i mean you know especially being able to see figures to the mirrors like hearing constant whispers you get in the bathroom it's a whole drop in temperature compared to the rest of the house like you know you're not alone. Like, you know that there is something in there with you that would be just hard to hard to endure basically. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the fact that it has never ended, that it was always like that in that room. It it's just like a constant reminder. Even if you get like a short reprieve right in the rest of the house, right. you, and then you go into the restroom, and it's just a constant reminder of what's happening in your home.
0: It kind of makes you wonder, because I would I would expect the majority of everything coming from Estefania's room. Yeah, so that's where we get more poltergeisty, more haunting. Because... You know, like... I'm trying, trying to think of the best way to put it, but... You know, especially being that, that being such a hot spot in that, like, in the house... You know, because again, I would expect Estefania's room to be the major focal point of the whole thing. Um, yeah, you and would I think so. You know, you wouldn't really think of the bathroom being such a big, such a big part in the whole thing. And so that was—I think—that was one of the things that really stood out to me. Um, you know, being that—I mean, I myself, again, getting back in. Uh, you know, to my personal, you know, my personal experiences. I know I I go to the bathroom, especially late at night. I'm one every single time I check behind the shower curtain. You know, it's it's <laughs> one of those things that I've done since I was young, and I still do to this yeah. day. Um, don't know why. It's it's just it's a nervous habit, basically. But I think of also the bathroom being <laughs> like it's supposed to be your, you know, kind of like your sanctuary. It's supposed to be very. You know, yeah, it's a safe space, safe space, exactly. So, yeah. you know, but there's also that that like that troublesome piece of mind in the back of your head that's like maybe. And now after this, I fucking you you bet your bottom I'm gonna be out there like every single time, double checking, checking right. my mirrors before I do anything because there's yep. just this you know now i'm I'm gonna be
1: worried (laughs) imagine if you stroll into your safe space and it's 20 degrees colder and you can hear you know a group of demons whispering from inside your walls
0: uh yeah i don't i don't want any part of it but at the same time i find it so fascinating (laughs) yeah same here (laughs) like
1: part of me is part of me is kind of contradicts nothing yeah yeah, part of me wants nothing to do with it and another part of me is like they're so lucky
0: <laughs> yeah I, I mean that's you know that's the whole thing it's, it's it's terrifying but at the same time it's so intriguing like yeah, I love the whole concept and the whole like the idea of it but at the same time like oh man I'd shit my pants <laughs> <laughs> um so getting back to getting back to uh You know, the police report and everything. So they basically stated that they couldn't find any explanation as to what was happening. But in their police report, they stated, um, I guess, did they state, my question is, did they state that they felt that it was very paranormal or that they couldn't find a reasoning? So there was, like, you know, but all this stuff happened.
1: Basically, they detailed all of the things that, I mean, the story that I just presented exaggerated nothing. Okay. I pulled that straight out of the, the interpretation of the police report. Obviously, it's in Spanish. So, um, I that's straight from the police report. Now, so they listed all those things happening, right? And basically, they said that they were they weren't able to determine any cause for any of those things it okay. wasn't even just like this here's a list of weird stuff but this is these are the causes but this one thing was weird no every single thing every bang on the walls every scream from the balcony all the stuff they had no explanation for
0: And they didn't try to, like, justify anything or, like, even find any rationality to anything, rather? Like, any, like, they didn't try to basically just rationalize
1: the situation or anything? I mean, it's hard to really give a timeline of the night in the story. Mm -hmm. I found that difficult to convey, but they were in the house for almost seven hours.
0: I was gonna say, it sounds like it was probably pretty late, too.
1: It was. You know, so I they assumed were,
0: that they were probably there until, you know, early hours of the morning from yeah, just Yeah, they were the there story.
1: from, the call came in at 2 a.m. and he submitted his report at 11 a.m. the next day. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, especially, I mean, I get back to the dead hour, you know, that being such right. a, a high point when it comes to spiritual activity. Uh, sure. Any type of paranormal activity, you know, especially when it comes to haunting, uh, demonic things, like anything, you know, it's it's said to really revolve around that time period, right? So yeah. if the call came in roughly at about two o'clock, I'd imagine they'd probably be there investigating roughly right around three a.m. Sure. So yeah. you know they're going to be there at the peak of what I would expect for things to be happening. Um, yeah. And so, it just, yeah, it's it. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's crazy. Especially, I mean, that the four the four officers they couldn't take it. Literally, left you know, left to go outside. I mean, that that says a lot to me at least. It says a lot, and it really kind of puts a a big um, you know puts a big like uh, you're kind of not necessarily damper in it, but also I mean it it really kind of solidifies things right because of how much of a hit that that takes them having to step away like it's too much yeah it scared them and so and that's that's also what I find you know very very fascinating about it too because you know you have these other two guys that are just like trying to stick it out I mean obviously being officers being a detective like they're gonna do their due due diligence right they're gonna sure. they're gonna try and debunk anything. They're gonna try and figure out like I mean you know because everything has to have an explanation. But the fact that they couldn't even form any type of explanation or anything like that, um, being that you know you have kind of cleared that up, just also further solidifies it. And so, yeah. to me, I mean that's uh, yeah I don't know I don't know the best like the take if I if I want to say it was completely per- possession or if it was like a haunting, you know, poltergeist or anything like that, or a combination. But I would like to think that after Estefania had died, either something stayed, you know, whoever was possessing her either stayed in the house and was there trying to look for the next, you know, next something to base the next vessel to hop into. Um, or if it was basically at that point, full, pol- full poltergeist, right?
1: All right, so the thing that the thing that makes me consider this like poltergeist over the possession scenario right is the the length of time because I kind of like the idea that you posited where like the demon is sort of just chilling in these people's house waiting or searching for the right, next right could be lingering right, searching for its next vessel Mm-hmm. but the time between when when she dies and when this police report takes place is like a year so they go through a year of this crazy poltergeist activity before it culminates in this police in this police investigation so unless this demon is like a Novice level beginner demon who's not that good at possessing people. Yeah, I can't imagine. Can't I mean, imagine that it would take that long <laughs> for him to choose his next vessel.
0: But also, there's there's cases where of demonic possession where it's sat it's sat like very uh, dormant for long periods of time, whether it be a year, whether it be two years, that whether it be true. five years, ten years. Um, before anything happened outside of like there was, you know, a particular event that happened and then sat dormant for right. all this period of time. And then maybe came a few back mild into play, disturbances
1: right? along the way, and then it gets, re- yeah, okay, exactly. that makes sense.
0: So that very well could be, I mean, you know, and it, it, it just, it's really just trying to kind of figure it out, but like that's kind of more of what I'm okay. leaning towards. Like, to me, it sounds like it could be, it could be, and, you know, she passed away. We have this year that's passed and all these things that have happened. So, yeah, their experience may be, may be haunting events, but it could also be due to um, this, this demon basically lying dormant, looking, you know, potentially like in this house. Like, had they ventured outside of this house, right. who knows? Um, you know, if, if it would have traveled with him or if it would have, you know, clung to this area sure. specifically. Um, but it kind of, that's the way I look at it is that maybe like it literally sat there for a long time, you know, looking for the next person to, uh, I guess the next willing and able candidate, uh, I guess maybe All not right. so willing, but. Um, you know, the next candidate
1: basically to, um,
0: you know, potentially right. maybe possess. he just
1: didn't consider any of the other members of her family worthy Right? Right, exactly
0: You know, and maybe it took someone you know, maybe it was targeting the sister that was on watch and, you know, through all this time and all these things you never know it might have attached sure. to her Um, you know, and just continue to lie dormant, but not, not so, or, you know, maybe brought about these occurrences, but not so like transparent and so aggressive as it was with Estefania. Just more subtle. You know, and it could have been getting to the point, right. Um, you know, because I... Like I said, with all these other cases and all these other just well-known documented occurrences and things like that, especially when it comes to possession, there's no definite timeline. It's not like, yeah, this demon goes away, it's it's exercised, and you're right. good, and, you know, because that's not sure. how it always goes. You know, there's been cases where it is exercised, ends up in another basically attached to another person and they don't experience anything till a, quite some time. Quite some time has passed later before it becomes relevant It becomes active. Again, Are you trying to right? tell me
1: that demonic exorcism is more of an art than a science? <laughs> you know? Mm.
0: I think it might be. That's a heated discussion. <laughs> but I think it might be actually... I
1: think it's more an anything than and a so, science. It is. It is certainly not a. It that's is without not a doubt. A science. Yeah. Um, no. But Yeah. I. I mean, both sides could be argued, right? I hadn't really considered the the cases of possession where where it seemed to lay dormant for long periods of time, because it if this was like right. a demonic presence, right, that caused all this. I I mean what who am I to say that it couldn't just hang out in the house and fuck shit up for a year you know what I mean exactly
0: and that's the way I say it, it could literally be attaching itself to the environment it could be attaching itself to the earth it could be attaching itself to the walls to the floor I mean literally sure. everything because I mean something that's de- demonic isn't specifically a physical thing yeah, right. So, and that's that's. And I guess maybe that's like the heat of my argument it comes to, you know, just with all these past occurrences and past types of cases and things like that. I mean, I could think. I think that could be entirely possible. Not necessarily, you know, not just plausible, sure. but possible. Um. You know, and so I guess to further that, my next question. Uh, basically being the elephant in the room, why did the family continue to stay in the house oh for another God. year after the police Dude, shit?
1: Like... If you figure it out, let me know, because I think they're fucking nuts.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's that, so crazy. Exactly. That's, that's my thoughts. Like, why, why continue? Uh, you know all this shit is happening. You know, like... All these crazy events, obviously there is something paranormal
1: that's Look, happening even,
0: Whether it be even if
1: you remove all of the paranormal side of this, right? It if their daughter slipped into some kind of insomnia driven dementia and ended up going into a coma and dying at this house, it would not be odd for them to want to move just from that. Right, so exactly, just piling on I mean, all the paranormal shit on top of it. Mm-hmm. Why would you stay? I mean, and far be it from me to to judge someone if it was like economic. You know what I mean? Like, because right, I understand I mean, that not that everyone has the the means to uproot themselves and move. To be able to right, pack up right. and go, right? But exactly. like outside yeah. of that. There is no... There's no excuse for not going other than that.
0: It just does not make sense. I mean, why they would want to stick around, because they've... The the whole family, by this point, has experienced all these things. You know, all these crazy events and all these, these... I mean, to me, I feel like it's warding them off, trying to get them to go, you know, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm just gonna stick around and hopefully things are fine, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, economic, when it comes to money, like, you know, maybe they didn't have the means to just be able to go, and so you know, there is that side, but at the same time, if it were me, I'd figure it out, like, you know, I I don't think I'd want to stick around, like, maybe, you know, for a little while, just to experience everything. Get a taste. (laughs) For the sake of yeah. right exactly um, but yeah there's no way I would be into continuing to stick it out because there's obviously like I said something that's either attached itself or I mean they're just being I feel like content, if I were those parents you know? by the time so, it
1: murdered my daughter I would have had my fill
0: you know right and especially when the police were there and the one officer and the detective were up in the murdered child's room you know, and then experience all this crazy yeah. shit too. I think that would be enough. I'd be like, all right, well, yeah, uh, I think this yeah. is time. Like, you guys have have further, you know, further solidified my my thinking here. And yeah, you know, we're yeah. we're done. But some some people live off of that's craziness man. too. You know, thrive yeah, off I of don't, craziness, and
1: maybe that I don't understand case, that at all. But at all, I don't. There's there's not a thing in the world that could keep me in a house dealing with that
0: right exactly I mean
1: I'm and I crave paranormal experiences I want them so badly but like even I can see that there's a breaking point right there has to be
0: oh 100% I agree yeah there, there get It gets to a point where it, too much is I mean, too much, this family much, right? was
1: tormented. Too yeah. much is enough. Tormented right? for years. Years.
0: And even you bringing up the fact that it murdered yeah. their child. Like, I would think that right there, like, everything that they'd experienced up until Estefania's death, up to her coma, everything, like, you know, because they also experienced a yeah. lot of shit during that time. Like, it's not that it was just, like, everything was all, you know, peachy cream then. It was, no. like, it wasn't. You know, so, it, like, they had all those previous ex- experiences. And then a year down the line, after her death, they continue to have some crazy stuff that's happening in the house. Like, to me, it just literally does not make sense. The only thing that the that does make sense is that they couldn't do it just because they didn't have the right, means that to do so. that makes sense to me. Like that's the only thing exactly that I could think. Like, I mean, you have to work with with, with yeah. what you have, right? So, it kind of comes down to that. But like, I mean, even then, I would be staying with family members or going. You I'd know, sleep in anywhere, my damn car before anywhere I've... other than yeah. there, right? It's no. the same, yeah, yeah, same. You know, but at the same time, who's to say it's not going to follow? You know, who's to say that it sure. hadn't already attached? You know, there could have been things that, after the fact, after all these things that came into play, after they moved away, maybe there were some continued occurrences that happened that they tried to kind of rationalize or just, you know, it just basically just kind of brush off as, you know, we experienced all this, maybe it's just our minds maybe getting to us. Maybe there were, were things that happened that, you know, aren't documented or that, you know, aren't really can you know able to continue on with the story but i don't know it's like it's it's really hard for me to to i can't decide which way yeah. which route i want to go because like i said i want to think of it as possession but yeah that i, I think yeah. that's where i'm sticking yeah. okay i'm going to stick there see i, uh, I found an interview
1: well. with Marianella the the younger sister yeah the and sister right she said that once they moved it was over they net none of them ever experienced anything again once they moved which further solidifies our point of get out of the house move right be done think of how right you know had they moved earlier how
0: much more peaceful their lives would have been they wouldn't have been just living right. in torment or living just one day, to the next hoping and praying that things aren't going to happen or living and feeding off of the emotional, you know, the emotional, like a uh, turmoil or whatever, like from their daughter's passing due to whatever yeah. happened to, her. you know, like, you know, thinking of it on the outside, like whatever it was. Like, you know, all these things, and they yet continue to stay there. I mean, you know, especially if her saying that everything stopped. Yeah. I'm assuming they're probably like, shit, we probably should (laughs) have done this a long time ago. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm sure there's some guilt that goes along with that, even. Right? Like...
0: Oh, I mean, there's gonna be guilt that comes along with everything. Especially Estefania dying. Like, I mean, you know, like, them not being able to do anything. You know, or not really facing the fact that there was something otherworldly going on that was causing these issues i'm sure yeah i'm sure they they sulked in it for so long like you know and the fact that yeah maybe they could have done more you know but really like what can be done it's very very minor i mean you know like outside of an exorcism or trying to rationalize through you know through the church or having you know like paranormal groups come out which they did you know they end up having stuff like that but like imagine if they would have done that while she was still alive of how different it could have been or maybe they would have written it off as she's crazy like you know so it really could go both ways and you know it yeah, it it's really tough to think about because I couldn't I couldn't put myself right. in the, those shoes. Like I don't know. I don't know what I would do or how I would think or feel like given that situation, you know, right?
1: Yeah. So, Another thing that pushes me away from possession. Do you know who doesn't have an official opinion on this? The Catholic Church. The Catholic Church. No official yep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. no official position. Yeah, I knew it. 100%. Yeah, which yep. they're not shy about saying this is a possession.
0: There was though a period of time where they didn't. They they were very hush hush in it. Yeah, but was that the um, early nineties? Uh, I mean, this is this is longer yeah. longer ago than that. Yeah. But, I mean, there's also, it depends. Like, there could be, you know, there could be, well, I guess, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, over the years, they chalk up a lot of things as, this is demonic, this is possession, yep. and it's not. You know, there's been a lot of false, uh, a lot of false, like, uh, accusations or false, like, uh, yeah. determinations that they've done. You know, but at the same time, there's also been, it's the other the other side, too well a lot of things that they've just really just brushed off as oh this is nothing and it's been sure. actually a thing so for them to have no say or no like even just yeah. speculation None. into it
1: yeah that uh, i find i find that a little either crazy. it means it definitely wasn't a possession or it definitely was I don't I don't know which one that which one it means I'm still
0: I'm still I think I'm still okay. on the side of the possession I, I think i've I'm firmly there now um just because to me that makes the most yeah. sense also I it may be morbid but i I love the idea sure. of possession cases I think they're very unique they're very, you know, it's it's very different from being haunted and things like that. I mean, that's that's almost mainstream these right. days, right? But possession is still not. I mean, it's becoming there because of, you know, popular sure. media yeah. and stuff like that. Um but I also, I mean, I think it's still it's still a bit like not as talked about, I think. I think, think it's it more
1: taboo because it's so connected with religion.
0: That yeah, yeah. that 100. percent I mean,
1: we're yeah. it's inextricably yeah. linked to demons, right? So, it's and you think possession, you think the Catholic Church, you think established religious practices, you think all this other baggage that comes along that that doesn't necessarily come along with hauntings, which a haunting really just mm-hmm. it you know it it makes you think about the afterlife. Right. If you accept a haunting, you're accepting a some form of afterlife. Right. You're exactly. But a possession case. That's like centuries of established religion come along with possession cases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's possession cases. Hundreds of years documented, like you know, or unique situations, and back you know, back in the early 1900s up until even like the eighties, uh, even up until the nineties were passed off as just literally like schizophrenia and and, things like that. Like exactly multiple personalities, like, you know, and so, which I, I find just crazy because, you know, to, to rationalize such a, such a very unique, Situation and ordeal, like there's a lot more that goes into it, you know, and, and us just even discussing, was this a haunting? Was this a possession? Yeah. You know, like I mean, you know, we're at least open to the idea it's yeah. one or the other, a hundred percent, it's one yeah, or the other. So. We know that, yeah, I, right? yeah, I think so. Um, you know, which, like I said, you know, like I said at the beginning. There's you know, there's a lot of things that can be passed off as, you know, her her insomnia and stuff like that that could cause just her yeah. behaviors, but not the external behaviors. Things outside of her control, you know, like that's that's where we get into like you know, there there's no way to really rationalize that other than I mean there's something. I mean else at they
1: that. You know, like, super skeptics like to use terms like... Group hysteria. Right? And the, this... Yeah. Which, personally, I find to be complete... Horseshit. I don't accept that as an explanation for anything. They love to use it for, like... It's almost it demeaning. And, I, they like right. to use it for explanations for, like... If 30 people see the same UFO... They use it for, um, for like home hauntings. They, you know, things that in any other circumstance, if fifteen people describe to you the same guy ran out of the bank after it was robbed, they would consider that corroborated eyewitness accounts.
0: Right. Those are right.
1: eyewitness cases. But exactly, in yeah. when it comes to paranormal things, they just accept like, oh, all eighty people who saw this UFO they all experienced the same hallucination. And people just go, oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Mass, Mass hysteria. hysteria. Or group hysteria, right. Exactly. Bullshit. So, yeah, which is complete bullshit, I agree. You know, and, and that's, you know, think of it like this, but also the police that were there, they can also account for these strange occurrences. I mean, who you're gonna listen to some random outsider or someone that's literally on like a police force right like you know if they if they can say yeah i was there i saw this and this and this are they gonna say oh well you're you know you're just you're just crazy and this is some form of hysteria you just got near the
1: family and acquired their hysteria no that's ridiculous right
0: exactly but that's also what makes me like wonder how many cases when it comes to like law police police reports stuff like that that they write off as they can't figure it out so they try to yeah. make up something i mean you know that they're out there you know they all these like because I'm, sh- I'm sure there's been lots of situations where police have been called to like different uh areas due to hauntings or possessions or aliens or yeah, decrypted anything i mean you literally yeah. think of anything and them not be able to really explain the whole thing like how often is it brushed under the almost table almost every time like yeah exactly so you know and these are things that don't come up when you know when you're when you're looking for these types of occurrences and things like that because i mean it makes more sense to brush them under the table or pretend that they didn't happen versus try to explain it and explain it to the public deal
1: with the deal with the criticism deal with uh you know people yeah the
0: backlash and everything i mean no
1: career policeman wants to become the laughing stock of their department right and there's just so much so much um stigma attached to believing in any of this stuff. Oh, that, yeah. That it Agreed. you know, that's what causes the 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 information to be swept under the rug. Cuz no one wants to deal with the backlash, like you said.
0: Yeah, and I mean in in touching back on the previous previous episode that we did where they had reached out to law enforcement the 45 right. times whatever it was, never, you know, and they always said it's nothing. And then they tried to reach out the senator, state senator, tried to reach out to the FBI. And there was one person from the FBI that was like, sounds like it might to be, you know, might be a poltergeist. Like, you know, and then that was the only person that even had anything to say about it. And he even remained basically anonymous at that point just because of how it would affect their career. So, I mean, you look at it like that and there are probably so many cases and I I wish that we knew but there I mean you know there's gonna be no way to know and I just think of you know like this being an actual documented case where they did document there was no way to like explain what happened they experienced these occurrences and you know how was that perceived by uh, first of all by the by the police by the media like like how how did that actually come together like I mean, they're like, "Oh, okay, well, we'll take your word for it," or were they're like, "Yeah, this is that's silly, you guys." I mean, it did get
1: about. some media attention um, right after it happened, but it was on the level of like here in America, where if someone cites a UFO and it ends up in some like tabloid or some, you know, it was kind of that sort of media attention, okay. and that that little bit of media attention is what led to the writer of the movie getting getting hold of it actually of the story yeah doing it right so okay. at least you got that out of it
0: so it was basically in like some yeah. tabloid or something that was you know that wasn't taken very seriously and you know which i guess maybe that's good for them like because you know but at the same time like there there comes a point where these things need to be heard they need to be more in the media you know they need to be more focused and like brought to light outside of yeah i agree with that you know because at that point it turns into just a horror story and you know like who doesn't love a good horror story but still at the end of the day it's a horror story right and then so you you chalk it off to that but don't think like this is actually based around something that really happened and yet you know it's not it's not as focused on
1: yeah i mean and that bothers me so like i said at the at the very top of the show it's pretty much par for the course now when you start a horror movie to see based on true events right Oh, yeah. I mean, most of them these days, yeah. Because there's nothing else to write about, you know?
0: Outside of... Because there's crazy enough shit that happens
1: in real life. And you never know how much that actually means. Right? Like, Or how much it's embellished. So, like, technically, you could, like, read a story about a girl named Mary that, you know, went to the store one day... And then you can write whatever the hell story you want about a girl named Mary. Based and it's, on true events, because <laughs> exactly. she went to the store that day. <laughs> and, I mean, some of them right. are that egregious, but like, oh, I this know. one is pretty crazy.
0: It's just more yeah. specific. You know, it's more specific. There's, there's things that back it up yeah. tremendously. And again, you said that you're going to get that report out and actually get it posted yep. so people can check it out, so... I I mean having that to back it up like there's a lot there's a lot to really go into it and the fact that they, I mean trying to put it into a movie to shed some light on it because otherwise it's not talked about it's not out there in the media other than tabloids and who takes a exactly. tabloid seriously no you know exactly and that's and that's my thoughts like you know it it needs to it needs things need light shed upon them to really actually bring them to light like you know and actually get the word out about them which i think yeah. is what we're trying to do yeah. you know i mean you know everything that we're talking about is true and you know based off of um you know, not <laughs> based just on based the on events but uh, <laughs> right exactly it's based on what actually happened you were there retelling their story and you know, and that's what I think you know kind of sets things aside and sets things apart from uh, from other things too. Um, you know, and I, I want to continue that. but also I think things need to really be brought to light. We need to like tear them apart and you know make sure people know about them because I mean,
1: and there's you know, there I think there are and- some serious. There are some serious journalists and there are some serious scientists looking into situations like this, right? I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that right, no one course. is digging into it cuz I don't know. I I assume that they are. I hear a lot of I hear a lot of that, but yeah. It could certainly be taken more seriously by the mainstream. It's you know, a lot yep, of these stories exactly. they get they get pasted onto tabloids, and then they get sucked up by writers and directors to turn into horror films that also aren't taken seriously. You know, if you could pick yep. one genre of at film the end of the that day, isn't that's taken the least seriously, it's probably horror. Horror, right?
0: exactly. Yep, always. Yeah, because again, monsters aren't you know aren't real. Well, there are no monsters under your bed, sort of thing. Like you know, and it's it's that whole yeah. that whole idea, right? Like you're you're taught to you know taught to know that these right. things aren't real and don't expect you know whatever else. And so that's what I what's what I really like about this is really actually shedding some light on things and you letting people know that the world is is uh it's crazy. There's a lot of very strange, unsettling things yeah. out there, and you know, I think that's our whole goal.
1: Yeah, I loved the story for how real it was.
0: Yeah, I love a good possession case. <laughs> I'll say it again.
1: I'll say it a hundred times. I love a good haunting.
0: It just and a good haunting, but possession is a little bit a little bit more. I don't know, just just out there and not just your. it's certainly scarier right oh it's way scarier (laughs) scarier. (laughs) I don't ever want to become possessed but at this you know like at the same time I I love the idea of it like it's cool to talk about but uh, to experience it firsthand, I don't think I ever
1: want to (laughs) I'll pass on that exactly that brings us to the conclusion of episode 5 Estefania Gutierrez-Lazaro. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to
0: get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire.totsau on Twitter and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com If you love the show please rate and review it It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling
1: And a special thank you as always to Greg Martin at Reverend Music on Instagram Um, for his song, Dying Star. That's from the EP Interstellar. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird. And trust in the unknown.